Mojo Radio Show News. I say to you... you got to have Mojo, baby. Yeah! News with a difference. Taking a quick look at the news and this, Justin, you'll generate 75 to 80% more ideas when you involve more than one person on a job. Research has shown that when you involve another person on a project, the ideas really start to flow. So if you're feeling a little overwhelmed on a project, grab a friend, grab someone walking past the office or try and get some ideas from the dinner table. You never know just what you might get. Remember, when you involve more than one person on a job, you'll generate 75 to 80% more ideas. Live from the basement of Voodoo Sound, it's time to get your mojo working. I got my mojo working, but it just won't work on you. Take the next 40-odd minutes to get your hands on some tips and tools that will get you working at your best in both your business and your personal life. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Mojo Radio Show. Nice to have you on board the bus, the big red bus we call the Mojo Radio Show. So, folks, what do we do here? Consider consider the Mojo Radio Show like an arts degree. And I was talking with somebody in the weekend who told me that the arts degree is a mishmash of different topics that you do in order to get your arts degree, but it covers a wide range of topics. And it made me think that this is Mojo U, Mojo University. And it's a place where you're gonna hear about business and life and wellness and food and spirituality, meditation strategy. It's all wrapped up into anything we can find that we can steal, rob, Take, plagiarise and give to you packaged up to help you get your mojo working in and out of work. So, folks, this is your free version of Mojo U. Welcome. Uh, our classroom today is presided upon by the Honourable uh, Robo. Am I? How are you going? <laughs> I have got five copies of a book called Customer Romance, which was done by our guest, Peter Applebaum. He wrote Customer Romance. It's about how do you build a true romance, a true relationship that lasts the test of time with your customers or clients. Great book. Actually, I don't have five. I have four because I already had a request over the weekend from one of our listeners who said, heard the show, can I get a copy, please? So, Simon, uh, yes, you are getting a copy. I will chuff that off to you. But the other four will be for the first four people to leave us a review, the good, the bad and the ugly, Uh, on iTunes. So you simply open up iTunes, search The Mojo Radio Show, you'll see our black radio come up. Click on it, go in. There's a button called Ratings and Reviews. Put in one line, folks. It's really super easy. Put in one line for us. If you do that, we'll be in touch and we will jetpack this book, Customer Romance by Peter Applebaum. It's a good read, a worthy read. If you're in business, it's certainly worth the time to read it. Not a big read, so you get mm. through it pretty quick. And if you're extra lucky, you'll get the one that's dog-eared and highlighted all the way through that Gary read. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I actually have done that uh, for the interview, so <laughs> yeah, you're right. Maybe, maybe we do have five, so there you go. All right, let's, uh, let's rip into Johnny, so to speak. The Mojo Radio Show. There is a backstory to this. I am in Sydney doing a gig. I finish my gig. I'm heading back to my apartment. I jump on a bus and I'm in the city. I see this guy walk past me onto the bus and he's fit, healthy, backpack over his shoulders, the big Beats headphones on. 
And at least for some reason, he took my attention. Anyway, as we got the board the bus, I lost him. Uh, I sat in my seat. I pulled out my book to read. And this guy turns around and it's him. And he goes, mate, can I, uh, can I get a photo of you? <laughs> he said, oh, your T-shirt, man. He said, like your T-shirt. It's uh, your T-shirt's from a friend of mine. And I'm wearing a caveman coffee T-shirt that Tate Fletcher had sent to me, right? Tatumus Maximus. And I went, yeah, sure. How do you know Tate? And he said, oh, I did a show, a podcast with him and became friends with him and Rogan. And anyway, before I knew it, we'd been talking for 20 minutes and I got to my stop. And he was he, absolutely fascinating. And what I love about Johnny Stofko is that he's got his own insights into life and the world, business and health and wellness. But because he has his own podcast called The Vision Board, where he interviewed some of the great giants of successful people and talks about their struggles and their success stories. He's got this amazing wealth of knowledge to draw upon. And on the front page of his website, I thought it sums it up really nice. He said, only through our own development can we achieve the best version of ourselves." And I don't know, it was weird, Robert, because I never talked to anybody in the bus. I mean, I'm looking at my face in a book. And this guy just really, really took me with his energy and his knowledge, the people he'd interviewed. And I said, mate, got to get you on the show. So that night he emailed me and thankfully we've got him on the line. So Johnny, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm really excited to be here. Do you know what's ironic, Johnny, is that normally part of our introduction was we welcome people to the big red bus that we call the Mojo Radio <laughs> Show. But what's ironic <laughs> is that you and I met on yeah. a bus. And you know what? I was telling this story uh, just about an hour ago to this class about part of my personality that I was work that I'm working on is being less introverted. Believe it or not, like when I'm around people I don't know in a social scenario, I usually just go into my shell, I put my baseball cap on and I uh, just try to like you know, it's kinda like I'm really open around my friends, but you know, when I was on that bus where I met you, um and Gary and you had the, the Tate Fletcher caveman coffee shirt on. And, and I was and I was faced with that moment of like, all right, I got to say something. <laughs> <laughs> it goes both ways, man, because when you turned around and said, yeah. hey, can I, can I get a photo of you for my buddy? I was I was feeling, mate, really? <laughs> Who are yeah, you? I saw the look on your eyes and I was like, man, this team thinks I'm crazy. Yeah. Exactly what I thought. <laughs> it comes back. It comes back to just being able to talk to other people, though, doesn't it? Because my old man was a country boy and always belted into me when I was a kid. It doesn't matter whether it's the bloke who owns the local corner store or it's the CEO of a, a five star corporate company. You talk to anybody, you know. You have a conversation with anybody because you can learn something from anybody, right? So true, and that's man. It, it, it can't be more true. Like you can have the smartest person in the world. But if they don't share that knowledge with people, if they don't give it away, you know, it's useless. That's right. I think the thing that occurs to me, Johnny, like this is this is gold out of the gate. But I I like the idea of this 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 type of conversation because I find when I jump into a taxi or an Uber, I like hearing the driver's story. And I think sort of where you're going with this, and I think we all the three of us agree on this, is that you never unless you put yourself out there to hear and engage with other people, you never really hear their stories. And if you do hear their stories, they can just, they can change, they can change your world. And and who knows where a connection of you and I sharing stories in that bus and that trip, we could have talked for hours about 
what we were learning from people, which is where you want to go today. But it is about storytelling, isn't it? Yeah, and man, that's so true. Like, the, I like reading rooms. So, like, nonverbal communication is one of these things I'm really into right now. And, and I was, as you and I were sharing that space in a public setting on a crowded bus, the people around us were looking like they were, it was hilarious because it was like, it was like Gary, you and I, Gary, were like the only ones on the bus for that moment. And, and it, it was like a connection. And uh, it, it, you're right, man. It like changed my whole day. And then it changed like the out. Because I was having a bad day that day. You know, you, I was going through some things mentally. And that conversation sparked something like creativity. And ever since then, man, I've been on a roll again. So, yeah, it's sharing stories and meeting new people is imperative for growth. So let's let's introduce you to the audience, Johnny. Uh, in in a given day that you control, what are you doing and who are you doing it for or with? Okay, yeah, so we'll, I'll stick to my normal uh, Monday through Friday. I run a business. Um, I run a few businesses, but the one that's uh, paying the bills is out of a commercial health club in Sydney, Australia. So I'm waking up at 4.45 in the morning. I'm getting to city about 5.15 a.m. I'm doing one-on-one sessions. So I'm helping people, the commercial clients, get their life back on track through health and fitness and nutrition coaching. And I do these with, like, my clientele is, you know, anywhere from a 21-year-old kid who's never lifted a weight to a woman who's divorced of two who wants to lose 20 kilos. So Monday through Friday, I'm doing that for about 5.30 in the morning to about noon. Then I work out. Then I write... I'm reading, I run a website, I co-host uh, a show, uh, reaching out to people, learning. So it's just con- basically I'm fortunate enough finally in a stage of my life over the last three years to uh, just be obsessed with what I love to do and that's helping people. So if we just camp on the Monday to Friday work, five in the morning till about midday, you're working with people, you said you were helping them find their way, I suspect, through performance in their lives, and you're using exercise as the catalyst for that. Why, why is that so important, Johnny? And what are you seeing? So when people come to you, you take them on this journey through exercise to help them with general challenges or opportunities in their world. How, how is fitness and lifting, how is that fitting into that picture? So that's a great question. So I came to, I'll start with why, when I started doing it. I've been in Australia for three years. I've only been doing this for three years. My background was um, I was bartending at a nightclub in Las Vegas. I have a master's degree in leadership and personal development with a bachelor's in sports psych, but I wasn't doing any of that. And I was just caught in a rut. I wasn't, I hadn't worked out in like five years. I was drinking and partying too much. And then when I moved to Australia, I had one ulterior, I had one itinerary and I said, I want to work in a health club because I know if I put myself around that energy, I can create some momentum. So I ended up doing that. And why it's important to help these people, because I speak from experience. I, in a short amount of time, am living proof of the benefits of creating momentum on a daily basis with evolving our mind and our body. The momentum that comes from that, Johnny, do you think it's fair to say that by working out every day or every other day, that that is a way to start, like ground zero, if you start doing that, that momentum carries on to other parts of their world. Is that is that kind of where you're coming from? One hundred percent. And it's you know what it is. It's one of these things that it is not easy to do things that we don't want to do. It's in our natural defense mechanism to just 
keep comfortable, not take risks, and especially be vulnerable. So when I vulnerability is walking through a commercial gym when you've never worked out. You're naked when you're walking through there. And I tell my clients, I tell my clients that is the scariest and most toughest thing you will do all day. So you, you you get through that, and then you start seeing the world differently. Your everyday decisions, your everyday choices, will all be correlated with back how you started your day on the right foot training. Um, yeah, so I think it's all connected. So let's talk about the vision board podcast you're doing with Tristan, which is kind of how you and I started talking on the bus. We both had had Tate Fletcher on the show. Yeah. Then we started being curious about each other's shows and, and I was really taken by the quality of the guests and some of the stories you shared for me. Tell me about the vision board podcast. Like why why do it? What's, what's the purpose of the show and what's the dream for you guys? So- I met Tristan, my co-host and business partner, about 18 months ago. We were both working out of the same health club, and we're both the same age. I'll be 35 this year. So in the fitness industry, I was a, I was a year and a half into it being a personal trainer at this gym, and my goals were never to be own a gym. My goals are never to be the best deadlifting coach, or I don't want to train pro athletes. So I, I came, this is my leadership background here, I wrote a strength list down. And guys listening at home, I think this is very important to be real with what you're good at and be real with what your strengths are. And one of my strengths were speaking, learning, sharing, and reading about things that I don't know about. So, like, upscaling myself. Tristan and I, we kind of, we really weren't friends. And we were just kind of, like, in the same space. We felt like we wanted to do more. So I brought the idea up to him about, hey, man, let's just, let's start a podcast. Let's just talk. We could use it as a, a platform for expression. So the first four or five episodes were just Tristan and I just ranting, and they were absolutely terrible to where... <laughs> to where, to where guys, 120 into it, mate. We're still doing that. Oh, man. Like, you, guys, you can't even... If you go to our... Uh, uh, wherever you listen to the podcast at, you can't even listen to our first 15 because we froze them. <laughs> but, so so a, beautiful, a beautiful thing started happening, and with each one, we started thinking differently. And this is where I tell some of the young, so I do consulting for young coaches, helping them build their brand. And I always talk about, it's very important to constantly create things, such as like maybe writing an article or doing a video, because not to get people to like you, not to get followers, but so you constantly are thinking differently. Because the more you create, especially if it's streamlined with your strengths, your consciousness is going to start changing, you're going to think differently, you're going to start wanting more. And that's, that's exactly what's happened with the podcast. We had our first guest, and then that led to this guest, and then our delivery got better, and then you just create credibility as well. And now I'm just fascinated with the people who have made it to a certain level, and I like telling the story of how the similarities and parallels that everyone has, the successful and non-successful people who haven't got there yet, all connected. So that's where that's where I love the platform and the podcast. You guys have had some pretty high-profile guests from... Gary Vaynerchuk and Frank Zane, yeah. three-time Mr. Olympia, and Jake Ducey, the episode I heard recently. You've had some really Tim Kennedy, MMA legend. Like, you've had some top-class guests on your show. Can you can you recall a guest that dropped a, a, an information bomb or a knowledge bomb on you that actually had a profound effect on you today? It's something you heard, took away. Oh, yeah. And, and have implemented that's had a profound impact? Oh, yeah. I could, I could list you out probably at least 10 right after that, but the one specifically, probably because what I'm doing right now with my course, is 
we were interviewing A.J. Roberts, and I don't know if you guys know about A.J. He was, uh, he was an English-born American transplant. He was a power lifter. Um, he was actually a basketball player as a young kid, and then turned into a power lifter, became, um, he used to train at Westside Barbell with Louis Simmons down there in Columbus, Ohio, and ended up becoming the um, world's strongest man in those three power lifts, the deadlift, the squad, and the press. And now he's like a super, super credible business strategist. He brushes shoulders with guys like Yannick Silva, the dude behind Maverick 1000, Richard Branson down at Necker Island. And AJ shared this little mind bomb, which he just said. And he said, we must know who we have to become to get to where we want to go. And it, and it was like, I wrote that down, and it's so true. Like, so many of us are living in this wishy-washy world of, like, without intent, of, like, an understanding of, like, who do I have to become to get to where I want to go? And when he said that, it was like a light that just, just continually burned. That's awesome. How did you step through that, Johnny? I, for the minute I met you, you... You had this energy about you. You have this energy with thought behind it. You're learned. You are curious. And if I spin that around to put that, I guess for you, how did you, how did you go about doing that? I think it's a it is a great knowledge bomb that's been dropped. I'd be curious to say how what have you stepped through in order to be able to know who you are? Like what what were the stepping stones? Yeah, I mean, I, so I was, my hometown, man, I was born in the early 80s. At the time, my hometown was dubbed murder capital of the world per capita, violent crime, northeast Ohio. The town called Youngstown, Ohio, produces a lot of good boxers. Uma Mancini's from there, Kelly Pavlik's from there. So, like, growing up in that area, um, man, it's just, I've had friends die of violent crime with gangs. I've had friends do horrible things in prison for the rest of their life. Um, gone through a lot of bad things and. You know, I, I left that area at 18 and started traveling. Lived in Pittsburgh, what they call it there, South Carolina, played baseball down there. Moved to L.A. when I was in my mid-20s. And it's just been this road of, like, if you would have met me on that bus, guys, and this is 100% fact, if we would have met five years ago, we, man, I wouldn't have said anything. You wouldn't even have noticed me. I was in a really dark, more against me, against the world sort of framework. And then uh, I think I'm one of the only people who've ever moved to Las Vegas to find myself. I left, I left, dude, dude, this is, this is crazy, man. This is, this is a true, this is real, I, I like to say real rap. This is real rap right here. So I was heartbroken. I was 27. I was heartbroken. My father just passed away. I dropped out of grad school. Everything was just, everything was against me. And I'm, I'm, I'm crying. I call my buddy Andre. I grew up with in Youngstown. He's a dentist in Vegas. I call him in tears. And I'm like, dude, I got to get out of here. He's like, dude, take the five hour drive from Long Beach to Vegas and sleep on my couch. I take that drive with him. I end up staying. I was supposed to stay for a weekend. I had 30 bucks with me. I ended up staying for two years. Took a job working on the Vegas Strip for the Wynn Hotel, passing flyers out, making 100 bucks a week. That's it. 100 bucks a week with a degree. I was that low on morale. I had no confidence. And then the craziest thing that happened, I was looking for a nightclub job, and I, was, uh, I saw these swing sets. There was this new establishment in Vegas called... Um, I can't, it was a new area with new shops. So I was like, let me go to one of these clubs. And as I'm walking to pass my resume out, I see his swing set. And I'm like, fuck this. Let me go swing on these swings. I needed some. I think I did it because I used to love swinging on swings when I was a kid. And I hadn't done it in forever. So I go, I go towards the swing set. A guy on the left outside this club asks me if I'm looking for a job. I stop in there. I happen to have my resume. I end up getting a job. I meet a girl who worked there who works for a leadership and development company. I ended up getting involved in that company, got my master's degree in that, 
she, and it just started snowballing from there, man. And then a year later, I moved to Australia on my 30th birthday. Is that a matter of capitalizing on serendipity? Oh, for sure, man. Being open, I think, man. It used to hold me back so much not, not knowing that I could learn from people or not feeling that I could love people or, like, get loved by strangers sort of thing. And the, the minute I started looking at the world differently through kindness and not defensiveness, like being defensive, that's when things started opening up. And like, it's almost like, you, you know, you guys say we're living in a mountain town and our, we're in the car, we're about to go skiing, and the defrost isn't working, and the, the windshield is just falling. That's how I was living my life. When I turned that defrost on and cleared the windshield, that's when things started happening. Johnny, what's your take, having spoken to a lot of very successful champions in lots of different spheres of life and having heard now your own kind of backstory, what's your take on the struggle? Oh, man. I love the struggle, guys. Like, <laughs> I, you know why? I, I was one of my favorite, and on paper, he's a, he calls himself a stand-up, but he's a spiritual. Do you guys know who Duncan Trussell is? Okay, Duncan has a podcast called The Duncan Trussell Family Hour. And over the last few years, he's really into you know, meditation, spirituality, um, treating people right. His, his spiritual, spiritual teacher is a guy named Jack Camp, Jack Cornfield, not Cornfield, but Cornfield. And Duncan was talking about two years ago about the dark times of depression. And once, if you could overcome these dark times when you have nothing left, you almost come out of it like a warrior. You have like this warrior-esque lather over you knowing that you've gone, you've seen the darkest times and you've gotten through it and now you have the tools and skill sets to handle it the next time these problems occur and it's just I look at it as like you know on my invisible tool belt all the adversity I've gone through the struggle it's a necessity it's a requirement guys I've interviewed man it's a question I love to ask them and it all goes back to overcoming that adversity and using it as a catalyst for growth. I want to discuss your invisible tool belt. Now, Robbo in the studio has his invisible tool belt on, but it has a stubby cooler. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It has a A 12-pack pack of Tim Tams. The TV remote. And and a couple of goos. Um, And some brevies. And some, sil- <laughs> and some siltet. Um, mate, what's... <laughs> Johnny, what's on your invisible tool belt? I love, I love it when I meet guys who have this kind of philosophical approach to stuff. It's something we can get a hold of and build for ourselves to get our mojo working in or out of work. You've just alluded to your tool belt. What's on your invisible tool belt? Yeah, so it's a question that, and it's, it's a mental framework that I picked up um, when I got involved with this leadership company. And it's basically the way I look at it is everything that I've, certain areas of opportunity that I've created, such as taking a public speaking course, um, learning how to say I'm sorry, um, knowing that, you know, I'm educated in psychology, researching like Robert Greene's, you know, have you ever read 48 Laws of Power? Nope. Okay. So basically an accumulation of everything that I am learning and everything that I can use applicably in my life, my relationships, and my business, that's all my, that's all my invisible tool belt. These things that people can't see but I know I possess and I have value in to help me continually to evolve. When, when we had Tate on the show, one of the absolute bombs he dropped on us was a, a line he gave us was, not every day is a Doris day. 
and is something that Gary and I have talked about a lot. Is it, it, was that a big part of sort of getting out of that fog that you were talking about, realizing that okay, not every day is going to be the absolute gem that I hoped it would be. Man, I wish I could say it was something that broad. Mine goes back to actually my father, and I look. My dad passed away when I was in my mid twenties. He was only fifty four, and I look at life now, and it's totally. I learned. I learned more about my father through his death than I did while he was alive. Like how he handled that. And what I like doing now is I tell myself on a daily basis without, without it being morbid, because I'm a very positive dude, is that somebody right now is taking their last breath. If it's raining outside, people are running from the rain, I'm, my arms are open because there'll be a moment where I won't be able to feel that rain on me. So that inspires me. So I find inspiration through that. And that allows me, I think, to constantly, you know, Stay busy, but stay busy with goals that are congruent with my strengths. So constantly taking what I'm learning through this conversation and writing it down and what I'm learning through the podcast and through coaching and setting myself and creating opportunity to help more people, to learn more, and then just to give uh, you know the most valuable advice I can to people who might want to listen. You said on your website, Johnny, you had this great quote. You said, over 10 years as a fitness coach and entrepreneur, it's led me to develop a framework for success. Yeah. Can you just give me a little snapshot of the framework that you have set in your mind that you share with others to help them find success? Man, what you guys just brought up, that path, that journey, getting your mojo back, using all of that as your framework in terms of that, guys, this is a, this is not an overnight thing. It's not a switch that comes on. It's a journey and it's a path from point A to point B. And if you put, you fill in point A with point B with constructive, positive, good people, good advice, good habits, man, you really could do anything you want if you write it like reasonable things. You know, if you're, if you're a, if you're a receptionist and you want to be a movie star, but you're not taking acting lessons, not like that, but a path of success in terms of, if I talk to a Larry Holmes, for instance, the Eastern Assassin, one of the greatest heavyweights of all time, his path to success is similar to a Gary Vaynerchuk. Even though one is an entrepreneur, one is a fighter, they all have been through that adversity. But the difference is this. The ones that we know of, that we know their names, they didn't stop. The ones that you and I will never hear of, they stopped. And, and that, that, that's the framework. Just keep pushing. And, and you brought up Tate Fletcher, man. He... I interviewed him episode 14, but it went so long, we had to break it up to episode 14 and 15. And he, used, he, he, gave us, he gave us this quote that he tells all of his friends. He said, I need you to try. And, and when he said that, I told him, I was like, Tate, in leadership, we don't use the word try because it's a powerless word. And he goes, well, I don't need you to try. I need you to try to be better so I can be better. And it, and it kind of sat with me like, you have to surround yourself around people who are pushing it in order for you to keep pushing it because, you know, that negativity that a lot of us surround ourselves with, it's like vampires. It steals that, that spirit from you. So I think that's very important as well. In your show with Aubrey Marcus, and I really liked your conversation, I'm a bit of an Aubrey Marcus fan. Um, and Aubrey, of course, runs onit.com. So if anybody who listens to podcasts will know onit.com, super successful business doing very, very cool stuff. You alluded to or spoke generally about what you called the circle of influence. Can you run that for us? What is the circle of influence? Okay, so I use this, that phrase quite often. My, I'll give you an example. My circle of influence are the people that I spend all of my time with. 
And I wish I had that advice when I was younger in my 20s. And they always say hindsight's 2020, and the older we get, that'll always be the word. But I used to surround myself around guys that would listen to me. They wouldn't challenge me. I could manipulate them. I could talk them into doing stupid shit. I could talk them into being crazy. The circle, you know what I mean? Like, like, and, and I, I wasn't doing it. I wasn't doing it with like, I was doing it subconsciously because I wasn't ready. I, you know, I wanted to be around people who are all about chaos and not, not accountability. So the circle of influence is like my co-host Tristan, one of my closest friends, my mother, um, my good friend Deirdre, people who inspire the circle of influence, the people that you hold, they will hold you accountable and you hold them accountable on all things that are positive. Are your neurons maxed out? Is your cerebellum congested? Time to clear the bottleneck with Mojo Mind Traffic. We're having another look at head traffic right now, and there's one bloke who's stalled the vehicle. It's chaos all around him. He doesn't know where to go. Now, here's my tip. When the mind stalls and struggles, just start writing. Start writing down everything you know about your product or project. Start writing down the consequences of what will happen if a situation remains unchanged or the consequences of what will happen to a situation once you change one of the variables. Sometimes thoughts will flow out, not in a word, but in a sentence. We'll write it down. It mightn't make much sense at the time, but it might end up being the foundation of a great concept. Once it's on paper or on the screen, it's a guaranteed jump start for stalled ideas. We interrupt this program to bring you a special bulletin. <laughs> the Mojo Radio Show. Right. Ladies and gentlemen. Now. You've talked about um, on the show... Uh, You've talked to champions in all different spheres of business and sport and life. What has surprised you most, Johnny? When you, you've heard these interviews now, you've done hundreds of them, you've done the book on them. What has surprised you the most about hearing their stories? Guys, and I hope everyone listening really believes what I'm about to say. The thing that surprises me the most and motivates me the most is that we all have it. Everybody Everybody has what it takes to do something great. And initially it was a surprise, you know, when I'm talking to Evander Holyfield and he, he just keeps going back to his mother and the love that his mom has for him. And I never, I mean, the media didn't portray that Evander Holyfield's his mama's boy. I thought he was just a brute. And then, like, that there is no, like, I used, to, I used to think that people who were successful were born into money or people who got to a certain level were given, somebody gave them something. So... I was living my life at a point where I was waiting for people to help me. But once you figure that out, that no one's going to help you, and you have it in you to do something great, that's when the magic happens. And that, that was the most surprising thing. When you think back over your time on the planet so far, Johnny, you mentioned your dad, and for example, you talked about Evandy Holyfield with his mum. Who's been the person or the event that has helped shape Johnny as the man today? The person, my mother. Rosie, little, she's four foot eleven, little Italian lady. Over, she's overcome so much, and she just finished another degree. She turned fifty nine on March fourteenth. I have her tat, tattooed on my chest. She's my biggest inspiration. You know, I was like, she had me when she was twenty, I think twenty years old. So I, I look, you know, I've, I've watched her just continually evolve, get better. But, you know, she's gone through death, addiction, love loss, and still keeps coming back. And she is, she is my gauge in terms of commitment, per- perseverance, 
any event, if there was a single event that I feel that I could have, you know, I crumbled initially, but I use it every morning is my dad passed away. Because, like, about, you know, the things that he taught me as a boy that we're not aware of. Like, when you're a seven-year-old kid and your dad's telling you, you know, Johnny, there's one trick to this life, stay alive. You're thinking, like, this dude's crazy. But what, what, what that advice built into as a teenager and in my 20s was I was very aware of my surroundings and, you know, I did stupid shit, but I never really did anything that would detriment my future. If we talk about leadership here, and we've spoken a bit about personal leadership so far on the show, Johnny, with the guests you've had on, whether it be from armed services or sports business, what lessons of leadership have you taken from the interviews you've had that you that you think you could apply to your own world as a leader of people? Like, what's what what's the great leadership lesson you've taken out of the show? Yeah, so I came into the show with a uh, degree in leadership and development. If I had to separate what I knew coming into the show and just learned from the guests and the podcast, it's definitely having intent, identifying, expressing writing it down, what you want, telling people about it, and then strategically making a plan of attack with these small incremental steps with your circle of influence, holding you accountable to get to where you want to go. And it's the, it's the intent. It's huge. That's a good word, intent. I like that. It gives it a bit of momentum and passion, doesn't it? Yeah, like think about how many of us live our day-to-day life. For the guy, like I'm sitting right now, guys, in a corridor around like 300 people. They work in these offices, a nine-to-five. No, no, and you know, I'm not, somebody has to do those jobs. But a lot of those are my clients, and I've lost clients before because I've told them, uh, you know, they, they quit the job and just move. And I'm like, look, guys, we only get, you know, for all we know, we get this one opportunity. We waste all of this time for somebody else in this little office. Maybe you're an artist. Maybe you're a guitar player. Maybe you want to interview people. Maybe you want to, um, whatever, travel and take photos. But I know what you don't want to do, and you don't want to sit in that damn office for, for nine hours. So... Having the intent, intent, and identifying what you really want to do, and not being rich, not being, not having money, shouldn't be your intent. It should be something that, like I said, congruent with what you're good at, what your values are. If, if we continue along that journey just for a second, Johnny, there is somebody listening to the show, and on the weekend they went through a breakup, or uh, this afternoon at four o'clock they're going to be called in and they're going to be let go from the business, and they've been there for ten years. The weekend was great, but today they've been let go. At five past five this afternoon, someone's going to be handed a diagnosis that's not going to be great. From your own personal experience and your journey and from having spoken to lots of very, very interesting people and a lot of deep thinkers and certainly thought leaders on your show, What's the first step people should consider to get themselves out of these dark times? Find the people who love you. Reach out to the people who love you. Talk to them. Make a phone call. Share with them your your sadness. And I think from there, you can start. The healing process begins when you want to be healed. Some Some people will never be healed because maybe they don't have the skills or the circle of influence around them to for them to see that. But man, I was, I was, I suffered self-destruction for at least three years. And the importance of, the importance of like, man, if, if I would have just called my mom or if like I could have called my sister, you know, my good friend showed vulnerability is very important because 
we can't get through this shit on our own, man. Life is difficult. Things like this do happen. And it goes back to having the right people around you to get through it. That's gold. Gold, it's gold Johnny. Cha-ching. Gold barbells. <laughs> gold 20 kilogram plates benching it with one arm I'm telling you it's gold and gold, if you lose gold, your gold. job this afternoon take them with you <laughs> hashtag you gold awesome. barbells yeah. yeah man I like um, it I never even thought about it I'm going to uh, just just going to turn slightly and I'd like I'm, I'm curious I, I must admit I, I I was very excited to meet you on the bus when I heard about the show who you've had on a guests because uh, it really is a fantastic lineup of um, guests you've had on. You're obviously learning and learned. How do you how do you take all the notes from your show? So how do you pro- how do you record and how do you process the notes you take from a show, from somebody else's podcast, from a blog, or from a book? What's your process for extracting information and then being able to remember yeah, it? That's a great question. What I do is I'm very, um, I write everything down. So like currently right now, I have a journal in front of me with a pen. I'm writing things down as we speak. I have another journal for my business. With the podcast, what we do is after we record it, I'll listen to the whole thing. I'll write, if you go, if you can look at any episode that we've done, you'll see all the notes in the, in the intro on the body. I, I just take what I feel is the most valuable from the guest, and then I write that down. And then through that process, I'll write my own four major takeaways out for myself. And then for, and then for instance, like, do you guys, have you heard of a guy named Bajros Koulian? Yes. yes. Yep. So Bajros yeah, is a very credible business coach. And the episode we did with him a while ago, it's part of like the heartbeat of what, this, what I'm currently working on outside project of helping people identify like, he talks about the, the who, the what, the where, the when, and the how in terms of running a business. So just, I think there's value points like we started at the beginning of the show. That we can learn something from everyone. And the more I do it, I guess my skill set increases on being streamlined and efficient with the takeaway point. I like that. I like it a lot. Um, Johnny, <laughs> we quite often talk about Bruce Lee on the show, uh, and in particular a quote he had. And Bruce Lee, the famous... Movie star martial artist said, it's not the daily increase but the daily decrease. Hack away at the unessentials. In your own world, say the last six to 12 months, what have you hacked away at? What's an unessential that you've gotten rid of that has had a profound effect on your performance or your productivity? The law of subtraction, what I've subtracted out of my life, one specific behaviour or more of a mindset that no longer suits me is the doubt that arises from what I feel other people feel about me if I'm creating something. So like not allowing the unknown, you can take it back to just fear of the unknown. You can take it back to fear of not being liked or being accepted. I'm, I'm so into my work in terms of like what my strengths are and loving what I do. I, I think it's very important to where I don't even think about what other people think because I know I'm shooting from the heart and I know my intent is to help people. So if somebody doesn't like what I'm doing, that's a reflection of them more of what I'm doing. And back to Bruce Lee, man, one of my favorite quotes. Have you heard the one where he says, if I, I'm probably going to butcher this, but he says, if I told you I was good, you would say I was boasting. If I told you I wasn't good, you know I'd be lying. 
<laughs> That's going up on the studio Dude. wall, Gaz. That uh, one's going up on the studio yeah. wall. Think about that, man. Bruce Lee, man. He was a special human. Absolutely. He was a special. He still is a special human in terms of the philosophies and theories that he's sharing. It's uh, He is gold. Like his awareness. You could catch some of those old black and white interviews he was doing in his early to mid-20s. Mm, mm. English is, English is the, the thing that really impresses me about him, actually. It goes back to the nonverbal thing. Is when you watch, there's this one very famous interview that you, that you guys could find. You probably have already seen it. Black and white, beginning interview. But how Bruce Lee is able to learn the inflection and the intent of the English language. How he uses his pauses and how he's able to articulate the emphasis of the English words in such a short amount of time. I was, I'm just blown away with that. If we look at performers like a Bruce Lee or the people you've had on the show, I'd be interested in knowing your view on rituals. Have you found that is a commonality amongst high achievers at any level in any business in or out of work? If so, have you adopted that? And what are some of the rituals that are the non-negotiables in your day? Yeah, so I, 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 sometimes I talk to people and they have them. I, sometimes you speak to people and they're on the other side of that fence where they shoot for straight from the hip. And Aubrey Marcus, for example, he said he doesn't he doesn't have any morning rituals. I like to, one of my one of the most simple ones that I implement and that I tell my clients to do and anyone listening it's the easiest. It's I will never leave my bedroom when I wake up without making my bed. Never, ever, ever. And once I started doing that, I understood if I can leave that space how I found it, and no matter how bad my day is or how good my day is. When I come back into my room and see that that bed is made, it, it does something. It, it's, it's a little achievement of the day, but it also sets you up, like, with an even kill sort of thing. But if I were to come home and I didn't make the bed, the pillows are out of whack, and you just had a shitty day, that does something as well. So that's one of my non-negotiables. And another one is, uh, you know, working out and finding time to detach from stimulus, whether it's in a dry sauna or sensory deprivation thing. I read an interesting interview last week with uh, the guy, uh, Matt Froming, who was the probably the greatest CrossFit athlete of all oh, time. Rich, Rich Froning? Rich, Rich, Rich Froning. Yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, he was on Netflix. There's a fantastic show on Netflix about him competing, I think, to win his third or fourth in a row. And if you are the world CrossFit champion, it's said you are the fittest man in the world. And the interview was about him working out. It was a blog. It was about him working out. And he said he never walks into the gym with an agenda. He doesn't have a program. He doesn't have an idea what he's going to do. He goes in and basically works out depending on how he feels at the time and what he wants to get done at that moment. Are you the sort of guy that walks in with a weak plan? Do you have a day plan? Do you know exactly what you're going to do? Or do you walk it, walk into the gym and work out according to how you feel? Yeah, for, for me personally, now for my clients, I have programs done, but for me personally, I don't I don't have any program. I have a, I, I listen to my body in terms of exactly how I feel, what I have in the tank, what do I want to achieve? And I kind of look at training as almost like a dance. So I like putting, I, I'll work out to like classical music, something that has a rhythm and if I'm training for 60 minutes, I look at it from one minute to 60, start to finish, as a methodical dance that all makes sense. So no, I don't like, I don't really take rest periods. I'm not looking at clocks. 
I'm literally just in a fluid, trying to achieve a flow state during each session. Like that. Uh, Jocko Willings, which is probably one of my favourite podcasts uh, yeah, listen yeah, to yeah, on well, a regular <laughs> basis. Yeah, he's and it's all. I mean, you know, it's interesting. I'm just going to uh, segue just for a second here. When you talked about great achievers or great performers who sit in different camps, and I heard you talk to Aubrey Marcus from Onnit.com about that, and I heard what he talked about in terms of being in the flow and not having specific rituals. And Jocko Willinks, former Navy SEAL, he served in Ramadi, terrific podcast called Jocko Willinks, the Jocko Willinks podcast. He said. I don't have rituals. But when his producer, Echo Charles, questioned him on it, the conversation turned over the next four or five minutes and he said, oh, actually, I do. But he didn't call them rituals. He just called them things that he did to get after it. But he gets up every morning at 4.30, he does his workout, he has his process for getting things done, the process he goes through. So I think in some cases people have them, they just don't call them rituals. They just have them, that's just what I do in my morning or my night or my working day, which is, I think, you know, good. The other thing that I'd be curious about with how you approach the gym and your workout regime is that Jocko has a saying that I've adopted and I love. He said, discipline equals freedom. And that changed my whole view on discipline. And I'm just wondering... Where does Johnny find, where does your discipline come from? Are you a very disciplined person or are you a bit more fly by the seat of your pants? I've, I've lived my life on both sides of that fence and I know how much more productive I am when I allow my discipline to express itself as a skill. So very much, like, I'm, I'm kind of a cowboy in a sense of like inspiration and creativity. Like on the podcast, that's like I love, I love uh, not having like a script. But in terms of my everyday life, I need like I wake up every day at the same time. I, I look at like going to the gym and working out as a discipline because it's, the, it, it, it's most people find it difficult because they haven't started it. But once you start it, you can treat it as like a meditation. You can treat it as like something that you enjoy doing, putting yourself in uncomfortable scenarios so you can grow, whatever you want to phrase it. So, you know, Monday through Thursday, I never stay up past a certain time. You know, and this is coming from a guy who used to not sleep. I was, when I was partying, I would stay up till 5, 6 a.m. So I know what both sides look like, and I'm very aware if I want to get to where I want to go, the discipline is a huge part of my progress. After 100 shows, more than 100 shows now, when you look at yourself when you started the first, you, you opened the mics up for your first ever show with Tristan over 100 shows ago to now you'll be recording this week. How, how has this show changed you personally, Johnny? How would you describe yourself as a different person or are you different? And if you are different, how would you describe yourself as being different over the process of this journey you've been on with the Vision Board podcast? It's definitely changed me in a sense of how I carry myself with what I want, what I represent, where I want to go. So I'll use an example. If I'm walking, you know, I've worked with like 30 plus other coaches in this commercial gym and a lot of the guys will spend their downtime shooting the shit, talking about girls they hooked up with. Pretty much, I call it pond water, a conversation that never goes anywhere. So once I read... <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's like, go. Shit, I, I don't got, I don't got time, man. It's tough for me to like, I probably should relax a little bit, but in that scenario, 
rather than taking part and sharing that space, I'm much more efficient with my time and productive with it. When they're having conversations like that, I'm having conversations like this. And things like that, probably the easiest way to explain things. I'm more, I don't know, I don't really don't like the word obsessed, but I'm, I'm really passionate about continually to learn and representing myself to the best standards as the guest that I've interviewed. So learning, um, thinking differently, wanting different things, and just having a standard for my own personal self. Before I hand you over to Robbo for the big question, Johnny, I think it's fair to say that I've been, you've been, you've been toe-to-toe with Vander Holyfield. Uh, I've been warming you up. I've been jabbing. I've been doing a little bit of dope the rope. I've been getting you sufficiently set for the big question. Uh, just be, just before I hand you over, uh, I just want to just want to delve into a little bit um, because you do have a lot of energy. You are very passionate. I like that. I'm then on the flip side interested to know: Well, where is where is the is there an off switch for you? Where is that deep work time where you're not charged up and revving? Does that sit somewhere in your artillery? Yes. And one of my um, non-negotiables is I'm fortunate enough at the club I work at to have a facility that offers a a dry sauna, basically an area, it's it's heat therapy. Dr. Rhonda Patrick calls it hyperthermic conditioning, but it's also isolation. And when I need isolation, it's, I need all stimulus stripped away for me to just sit there in stillness. Like Edgar Toll talks about in his book, Stillness Speaks, is if you can strip away all the stimulus and sit there with nothingness, that's when you can finally hear. And I'm very aware that I'm constantly thinking, constantly creating, and it's a necessity for me to find that space on a daily basis to kind of level it out. But, man, we're all, look, man, we're not here permanent, dude. Like, I used to live my life thinking that I had tomorrow. We could, I could wait this. I could wait till next week. Screw that, man. Like this shit can end right now. So I'm going to put myself in the best position possible to evolve, create, learn, share, and help people. And if that means that my time is spent with a lot of just like thinking, then I guess that that's what it has to be. But I am aware that slowing things down and hitting an off switch every now and then is very important. Well. uh, Robbo, do you have a uh, do you have a nifty ninety for this uh, for this guy? Mate, it's been a while. It's been a few weeks. I reckon we should do a nifty ninety, don't you? Hit him up. Here we go. Here we go. Robbo's nifty ninety. All right, Johnny. So you're ready? That sounds fun, man. Let's do it. Okay, mate. Here we go. What's the last book you read? Forty Eight Laws of Power, Robert Green. If you could have a plane ticket anywhere in the world, where would you go? Right now, my hometown to see my mom. Favorite pizza topping? Just cheese. Finish this sentence. I never get tired of learning. Uh, your favorite outdoor activity? Walking along the coast. Besides pets and family uh, and humans, if your house was burning down, what would three? What would be the three things that you would grab to save? My baseball card collection, my passport. And probably a backpack. Something you always wanted to do but never have? Skydive. Something that's best done slowly, and that's not skydiving. <laughs> <laughs> so is that, is that the question? Yeah, what's something that's best done slowly? That's a good question. Sex. <laughs> it took you that long to think, to that think about that one, didn't he? Eh? I know. I, I, I have Johnny, to be real, come man. on, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Come on, brother. What's your favorite movie and why? Stand By Me, written by Stephen King, because I've always had this weird connection to that era of 1950s, robo tracks, doo-wop music, some of my favorite things. All right, final question. What's the one song that gets your mojo going? The Killers, Mr. Brightside. It's just the Brightside. 
There you go, yeah, man. man. You've, you've survived <laughs> Robbo's Nifty 90. Wasn't that hard, was it? No, man, that was fun, dude. I liked Johnny, it. this has been... Uh, a great chat. I knew once we uh, once we started chatting on the bus that we wanted to get you on the show, that you would be a terrific guest, bring lots of passion and some great insights, mate. And I think what we love on the show also, Johnny and, and Robbo, is that when I spoke to Johnny on the bus, and we, only, we were only talking for maybe 10 minutes or so, and I said, look, we'd love to have you on the show. And Johnny said, great, let's make it happen. And that night an email came through from Johnny saying, righto, let's get this done. <laughs> and I like a guy that you and, it, and it's walking the talk. The rubber hits the road. You know, it's it's not just talking about this stuff. Yes, we must one day, but it's it's making making stuff happen. And thanks for your time, mate. I love your show. Shout out to Tristan. Um, we hope to keep in touch with you, mate, and do more stuff together. In fact, Robbo has got an idea that would be a world, what we believe to be a world first in the podcast world between our two shows. So I will be in touch with you to organise something so we don't just talk about it, we make it happen, but it would be a pretty cool idea, I reckon. I'm definitely interested, man, in the show. You know, like, the, we met, I think, on a Thursday on a bus. It's Monday now. We, we met, we exchanged details, we exchanged information. Now we're creating content, sharing the space with each other. And it comes back to the, our show is called the Vision Board Podcast. Um, having a vision, writing it down, holding yourself accountable, and then executing. So I, I appreciate the offer, and Trish and I will definitely be interested. Just send us an email. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are just tuning in, we are going to kick ass. Supreme. The Mojo Radio Show. Do you know what I love about that more than anything else? I love people with names that could easily become a movie title. Can't you, can't you imagine yourself like looking through the newspaper going, what movie am I going to see? And you see Johnny Stofko, wouldn't you be intrigued? Like it sounds like, you know, like a, a mafia sort of movie or something like that. I, I love people with names like that. He's got a great name. He's a good look. He runs a great Instagram account. The show, I, I, I really like his show. I like his attitude towards stuff. He's hungry to learn, as you can hear through the show. He's a journaler. There's a lot to like about that guy, and I think there was a lot of gold in them there, gold-plated barbells. The Mojo Radio Show. <laughs> we don't take ourselves too seriously. Oh, thank God. So uh, we are going to wrap up this little shindig today. Before we do, mate, I'd like to close the show with a dedication to a mate of mine who I went to school with for some 11 years. He, for the last five or six years, has been fighting motor neurone disease. Now, this guy was the brightest guy in school. He was the fastest guy in school by a long shot um, and was probably one of the most athletic kids in our class. To watch what's happened to his body over the last five years and the way he's courageously fought it has been, for me, a source of inspiration. He lost his battle a week ago. He goes into the ground today, which will be a sad day for all of us. So just for Mark and his family and for anybody else who out there fighting a disease like that or know someone who is, I reckon we should close today's show with a bit of homegrown rock and roll, a bit of Rose Tattoo, We Can't Be Beaten. We're out. Stay!
Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at the Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peter speaking. See you next time.